Out of the infinite choices you have, I'm honored you've decided to press play. With gratitude and humility, welcome to the Danny Green Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a special guest on the show today. Um, someone that uh, really from the moment I met him, I connected with. I just loved his energy. Um, just brought something, that, that X factor. We, we met first at YIG and then reconnected like yeah, first or right. second day at college. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, Tanner Luke in the building. What's yeah. up, Tanner? How you doing, Danny? Dude, loving life right now. It's good to be here, man. Dude, thanks for coming on. Um, basically, I wanted to get you on for all those previously stated reasons. I just like your energy. I like um, the, the hard work, the commitment, um, all this stuff that... It just your actions have spoken for themselves in the past couple of years, and um, I think back, dude, to this so distinct walk. You and I were walking home from uh, afternoon class or whatever at Eau Claire, and I, it was senior year. Um, I was trying to figure out what what path I was going to take. I think I was interviewing for jobs at the time, and you told me like, dude. I found like I you're gonna find it, but I just want to share. I found what I'm going after, and I was like, "What?" I, I, I was jealous. So I'm like, "How do you how do you get that clarity? What do you, yeah. what is it?" And you're like, "I'm going after brewing full time." I was like, "Damn, that's sick." Yeah. Um, so take me, I guess, rewind it just a little bit. How exactly did you get into? the whole brewing gig and like how do you figure out how do you get so clear on that's what you wanted to pursue yeah so it's like it's kind of a long story but to make it short um i'd got done with an internship in the summer at eau claire i worked for the eau claire express baseball team and i made like no money at the end of the summer i was like broke so i had to get a i, I was looking for work around eau claire and i and i really want to be a bartender so i ended up getting a job at the firehouse which is a craft beer bar as a bartender and being introduced to craft beer for the very first time over there. And I thought it was just the coolest thing. And this is back in 2012. So craft beer eight years ago, you know, was just kind of like really on the come up and there wasn't a ton of truly local breweries. There's a lot of smaller breweries, but it was really just beginning. Okay. And I got so into it and I was frustrated because I wasn't 21 at the time and I wanted to drink, but I had my friends that were homebrewing and I'd go over to their place and started homebrewing. And the very first time I did it, we made a brown ale. Um, I was just absolutely hooked. I was like, man, this is just like the coolest thing. And yeah. soon after that, how'd that first beer turn out? You know, really, I would say for the most part, like 90% of them turned out pretty good. Yeah. Um, but after that first time, um, my buddy, his name's Jared Wilson. I'd go over to his house every single weekend and we'd brew beer every single weekend. So we kind of became like fanatics about it. And we would usually have like two or three beers fermenting at a time. So like, it was like a true small brewery at once. Um, and we were just, you know, buying all the equipment and buying all the ingredients. And when kids would like be going out and partying, um, I was waking up early to go brew beer, like right away in the morning, because it takes about you know, like 10 hours start to finish with cleaning. So kids would be all hung over in college, you know, from going out the night before. And I'd be going over to my buddy's house at eight o'clock in the morning to start brewing beer. Damn. And, and I did that literally every single weekend for like a year. And there was like this distinct moment where my buddy said to me, he's like, man, I wish I could get paid to do this full time. Mm -hmm. And at that moment I was like, well, why not? Like, this is it. Like, this is what I got to do. Like, I love, I love this industry and I want to get into this. So that was kind of like that realization moment where it's like, yeah, well, if this is what you want to do, you got to go do it. Hey, so, wait, 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 one second. With all those beer, that all those kegs that you're brewing, did you sell any of that other stuff or was it all just, what'd you do with it? When I realized that this could become a thing was that I would brew all this beer and I'd brew two cases or like 50 beers at a time um, five gallon batches. And then I'd hand them out to people because I couldn't drink all of it. And so like, I would just like pawn it off to my friends be like, Hey, try this. Tell me what you think, you know, like passing it around at school, like carrying beers in my backpack to class, like passing out beers yeah. at class, like, Hey, drink this at home. 
Um, but one of my coworkers at the bar asked me to make a beer for her wedding. And that was like my first kind of like paid experience with it. Like they didn't pay me. I was like, don't pay me. This is my gift to you. But just like help me cover the cost of the ingredients. Yeah. And so I brewed a beer for a wedding and that was like a hit. And so I was like, oh my God, like this can be a real thing. Like yeah. I can actually do this and people will actually buy it. Um, so that's where it was a realization where, hey, this can, this can happen. And if you want to go after it, I mean, you, you know, you are putting a product out there that people want. So mm -hmm. I actually got an internship um, with the Excelsior Brewing Company here in Excelsior, Minnesota. And to get that internship, I brought beer to it and said, hey, I, you know, I've been brewing. Um, and they kind of threw me like into it right off the bat. And, and I was delivering kegs. I wasn't doing any of the brewing stuff, but that opened the door for me to have any experience at all at a brewery that got me into my very first brewing job at Sand Creek in Black River Falls. Yeah. Okay. So you, dude, that's, if I'm a brewmaster and some college kid shows up with his own beer that he's brewed, I'm, I'm probably going to hire him. Yeah, that's that's it's, dope. I mean, you probably just crushed that interview. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny in the industry because brewers don't love home brewers um, oh. because it's just like, they don't know what they're doing necessarily. But I thought I was putting out some pretty good stuff. So I was like, you got to give it a shot. So <laughs> You're um, like a, like an up and coming rapper handing out his mixtape to like. Uh, I, it's exactly it. You know, it's kind of like, hey, look at me. You know, like, and I and I used to make labels for my beer. Um, we would have stickers. I mean, we would have tap handles. I mean, like, we went all the way through it, and it was actually really funny. So the very first the the first name of the brewery that my buddy and I started or created was called Fulton Brewing Company. What? Because we were located on Fulton Street in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Damn. And I couldn't believe that there was already a Fulton Brewing Company in Minneapolis. You know, years later, I ended up working at Fulton Brewing Company, but it was kind of like one of those surreal moments, yeah. like, hey, I can't believe this is coming around full circle. So I knew right off the bat that I didn't want to open my own. You know, I wanted to work for somebody else and learn because I had a lot to learn. And obviously, I'd never done anything on a large scale. Um, but Sand Creek, so I heard of this job at when I was working at the firehouse, my bar manager came up to me and said, hey, Sand Creek's looking for a brewer. You should throw your name in the hat and just see what happens. And ended up just getting a hold of the guy and, and, and driving 52 miles south and east and, and getting this interview and meeting him and, uh, and getting my very first brewing job uh, before I'd even graduated from oh, really? Eau Claire. Yeah. Okay. Damn. So how, how was doing... So what was that first position like? Terrible. Um, <laughs> only only because, so to get my foot in the door there, I was driving down one day a week to stuff six packs into cases. So basically like, you know, your case of beer, you'd put your six pack, you'd put six packs holders in and we'd prep everything for the bottling runs on Monday. So I would go down there, at, I'd be there at six o'clock in the morning. So I have to leave the, my house at 445 drive down there i'd stuff six pack carriers into cases for 10 hours damn and then drive home and then i'd actually end up bartending that night so i'd work every friday i'd work a 20 hour day so i'd i'd get home and then i'd work like a bartending shift from you know uh four until three o'clock in the morning or something like that so i'd work yeah like six to four and then like five to three damn. in a full day so i'd work 20 hour days on friday um, just to kind of like keep the money coming in and set myself up for this this next gig. Yeah. So yeah, as soon as I graduated, graduated on a Saturday, the guy's like, "You're here Monday morning." So you know, 48 hours later, I was I was bottling beer at at the brewery, and into my first uh, brewing role at Sand Creek. Damn. So when you're stuffing six packs of bottles into a like a box, six box, six pack, like. How long did you do that for? I did it for like five months. Are you thinking like Fuck this? I'm out like at any point because like you're not learning how to brew beer. Yeah. At that point, no, nothing. But did you you saw the bigger picture? You knew that this was a stepping stone. Well, that and it was kind of just like what they had available for work for me at the time, being with my schedule because they were ready to hire me right away. But I was like, I got school left. Okay. Oh, got um, you. But that was a huge part of it in a sense where it's like, you know, you work for a small business, any small business person will tell you like you do everything, mm -hmm. you know? So 
I realized I was like, Hey, this is just part of like what they need. There's a value, like you're adding value here. Like it's, it sucks. Like it's not fun. You just throw headphones in and just kind of zone out and, and, and stuff them stuff, uh, cases. But it was just like understanding that if you want to do this, you're a part of a small business and that's just what it is. I mean, that's just part of, part of the gig. So, yeah. Where, where'd you learn that type of attitude? I think I would just, I mean, the, my very first job was working at Byerly's, um, in Chanhassen and I, and I just kind of done a little bit of everything from maintenance to stocking shelves, overnight shifts, um, you know, loading, gro- you know, groceries in someone's car. Yeah. So I guess I just never really thought, you know, I, I never really minded work. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, 20 hour days. I mean, that's just not common, you know? Yeah. My, you know, my mom always told me, um, and she told me this before I even graduated. She goes, I never really saw you in an office job. She's always like, you like to work. You're just like one of those people who likes work. You know, some people just love to be at work for hours and hours and hours and don't mind it. I loved working as even like as a 16 year old, um, like I thought it was like a competition, like who could work longer, you know, like I'd take like double shifts and work like 12 or 16 hour days and just love piling up the money and just like love being there. I don't know. It was just kind of like a weird thing, but I never minded it. It always kind of work energized me. So I never minded it being hard. I kind of enjoyed that aspect of it, you know, just like physical labor and, and sweating and letting people know how hard you're working. I just kind of love that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you graduate college, so you got the clarity that this is what you want to do. You want to go after brewing. What's, what is that realization or the transition from kind of a part-time home brewer with a, you know, a little side job on Fridays at the uh, brewery to going full-time at it? What's that like? It was terrifying, honestly, um, because I didn't have any of the mechanical skills or the science background. You know, what you think you know is so basic compared to actually how complex it is to make beer and good beer. And then there's one thing to be a total scientist and a nerd about it. And then there's another thing to be mechanically inclined to like fix machinery when it's down pumps, um, you know, a bottling line. And that was a whole nother side of it that I had no experience in. And I didn't have a lot of uh, confidence in myself. But I was eager to learn it because I always mm. thought that was such a good skill or trait to have where it's like you can fix things and be handy. Um, and, but that was a huge learning curve for me because I, you know, I'm not a tools guy. Uh, I'm not a fixer, but that's ends up being like 50% of your job is being able to uh, work on the fly like that and uh, be able to be mechanically inclined. Yeah. So you just picked that up from the people working there? You just learned how to... Yeah, just experience and asking questions and uh, just being involved in the process and having it whenever there was an opportunity, you know, never, you know, never being the one to back away and say, hey, I don't want to do this, but kind of stepping up and say, hey, let me do it. You know, I got to learn how to do this and and just having, not being scared to fail, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you just have to expect it, you Mm -hmm. know, you just got to know. I'm probably not going to get this right the first time. I'm probably not going to get it right the fifth time, but eventually, you know, build on yeah. it every single day or, or learn something every single day. It, it comes together, you know, after a little bit of time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, just for context, like how, how big is Sand Creek and like what's their, how many employees are work there and what's their reach as far as distribution? So they were really um, Wisconsin and Minnesota uh, we were brewing about 10,000 barrels a year when I was there. Um, what that was in comparison to the size of like, you know, all the breweries in the state, I'm not sure. But uh, the bulk of our business was contract brewing, which was really interesting because you're brewing beer for other people. Mm. So you're really. So what was cool was that you could brew beer. I was brewing beer for like 10 different breweries at the time under this, like at Sand Creek. Right. So you're getting thrown, you know, like a hundred different recipes a year versus working at like just one sole, like sole brewery where you're only brewing like maybe, hey, three or four flagships, a couple different seasonals, maybe 10, 15 recipes a year. I was brewing like a hundred different recipes for 10 different breweries and making uh, root beer for Frost Top. So I was even making soda at the same time. So it was, it was, I thought it was still like one of the best experiences possible because it gave me the most 
experience at yeah. once because man, I'm learning to use all these different ingredients, all this, you know, all this different kind of packaging, um, learn what all these breweries are doing as far as, you know, trade secrets and things like that. So to have, it was just like a huge amount of information at once to kind of take in. Yeah. Is that a dirty little secret that like there's beers on the shelf that like, or I don't know, like it's, it's how do you feel about that? I, I like it. I mean, it's really smart, honestly, because we would brew for a lot of breweries that didn't either, were either trying to test a concept or to, you know, to see how it would go to market or being able to continue the amount of um, production for them until they were able to keep up to it themselves. Got it. Okay. So like you're helping businesses grow, you know, to get to the point. So it's like, hey, money can keep coming in the door for me and for you. And you can still continue to build out your brewery at the same time and increase your sales, continue your proof of concept. And then eventually, like it was always with the intention of passing it on to that brewery at the end. So I thought it was really cool because you got to help grow businesses. Yeah, that is cool. Um, of course, you know, it's never like the same, like, you know, cooking in somebody else's kitchen is always going to kind of have the house flavor. Uh, but it was just a way to kind of keep it, keep the beer flowing for these breweries and help them build up you know, build up their portfolio and their, and their bank accounts in order to set them free as, you know, eventually down the road. So yeah, in a way you were, you know, you're helping them out. So I, I thought that was a really cool experience and a way to interact and engage with other brewers and owners from all different kinds of, you know, beer worlds. Yeah. Yeah. As an up and comer, that's sick that you get to meet all these different people and develop relationships that who knows how they, you're going to cross paths in the future. Yeah. Um, so, okay, now let's, let's cut to, you're up to speed as far as, or how long did it take you to get up to speed to, you know, be able to fix machines and know, know the recipes? I mean, you know, constantly learning new stuff. So I would say like to really feel comfortable in what I was doing, probably six months or a year down the road. Okay. So let's cut to a year down the road. What, what's, uh, what's Tanner, what's Tanner's mindset at like? Um, how are you feeling? Are you, what's like a day in the life look like? So it was actually, you know, three months. So actually three months after I'd started. Um, so with Sand Creek, we would run 24 hours a day. So we'd package on Monday. So I'd be bottling on Mondays and then Tuesday through Friday, we would brew for 24 hours straight. And you're back to your question. How big was the operation? Um, it was 10 people in the business total, like top to bottom, Pretty you know, lame. like CEO yeah. to, Pa you know, packager, janitor. <laughs> yeah. So th three months in, I barely, barely know how to get it going start to finish, right? Figuring out all the machinery and stuff like that. Three months in, the night guy quits. Oh, shit. And, and my boss is like, well, now you're the only other brewer. It's the brewmaster and me. And he's like, now you're going to have to go on night shift to take care of this need and, and be there all night. And I'm like, oh man. Like, and when's night shift start? So we changed schedules quite a bit. Um, so a lot of times, so my boss was very old school. So he liked to start brewing at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So for a long time, it was a three to three overnight shift. And then we eventually moved it to a 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift. So wow. it was me and one other guy working 24 hours a day. So I'd come in at five, he'd hand off the beers. I'd brew three beers overnight in this brewery by myself, see him for 15 minutes in the morning, pass it off, go home, sleep for eight hours, drive an hour back to work and then brew for another 12 hours. And I do that for four days straight. Oh man. And the craziest thing that, you know, that freaked me out about it was one, I don't know everything. And now I'm just trusted with this entire brewery by myself in the middle of the night Two, the brewery's haunted. So you don't really want to be there alone. And, and what he does is he just gives me a headset. And so I'm like, I'm like, what's this? He goes, I got a little bit of advice for you. Okay. He hands, he hands me this headset and he goes, you know, this place is haunted, don't you? And I said, yeah, you know, I've heard stories. He goes, my suggestion is you put the headset on and you stare at the ground. And I'm like, why? He goes, because what you don't see or what you don't hear isn't there. I'm, oh. like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man. What? So 
So it was actually good advice because I did have quite a few encounters almost on a daily basis with paranormal activity, but it was honestly the biggest, it was a huge challenge because you could, you had no excuse, you know, like I couldn't call my boss in the middle of the night and be like, man, I'm too scared to be here. You know, like you just had to kind of suck it up and deal with it. But it was kind of a way to test myself and say, nothing in my life will be harder than this. Yeah. You know, I was like, man, anybody can have like the worst boss or the hardest day at work, but you throw paranormal activity on top of that. Like, man, that's an X factor. Nobody can plan for. What type of paranormal activity are we talking about? So I had, I had quite a few encounters, um, almost on a nightly basis and the night brewers before me would tell stories of stuff that they had. So you kind of like knew what to prepare for. Um, so the ghost's name was Charlie. Um, so to backtrack on this really quickly, uh, the brewery's built in 1856. It was called the Odor Blitz Brewing Company at the time. Everyone in the family died just like a terrible, tragic death. You can find all this information on Sand Creek Brewing Company's website and read the whole story. Charlie was one of the original brewers in the brewery that fell into uh, one of the vats, pulled himself out, took all the skin off his body, died 12 hours the next day. The classic start to any horror story. (laughs) Painful death, you know, died in the building. Yeah. And they just kind of said his spirit just kind of like haunts and wanders the halls. So what he would do, what Charlie would do would be nothing harmful, but just ways of letting you know that he was there. So he would flip lights on and off. He would throw like, I'd I'd put my hat on top of my locker and my, my hat would be in the middle of the room and you'd be like, all right, that's weird. You know, you throw your hat back on top of your locker. Two hours later, it's back in the same exact spot on the floor. Wow. And I always you know, preface this saying like paranormal activity, like you don't want to say it's like a ghost, but like you want to be able to explain everything, but paranormal activity is like the unexplainable, right? Mm. Like you want to have like a scientific logical reason for why this is the way it is. Yeah. In my brain right now, I'm rationalizing. Well, probably there's like a wind current or something that is pushing his hat to that. Exactly. But then it's like, but then how does it end up in the same exact place every time? You know, like it'd be one thing if it like fell off, but where it's like 10 feet away from where it was and it's like facing the same direction and it's like face up or something. I had it once, um, a super creepy night. Uh, so I remember when my grandmother died and I was at work, I was working a night shift and where the brew house was, was where we would have the stage for shows that like if we had bands or something come in one night, I'm standing up on the deck and this is after the night that my grandmother died and all the lights flip off at the brewery at the same time. And the spotlights shine on me on the brew house. Those are the only lights that flip on. And I was like, what is going on? You know, like I can't explain why every light shuts off and then all of a sudden the spotlights are the only thing that's on in the brewery and they're on me on the brew house. Wow. And why was it at that exact time? You know, not when I was somewhere else, but when I was up there and it kind of just gives you like this eerie cold feeling like there's other people here. Yeah. I had one, the last story I'll leave you with, um, with this, that was the most, uh, the one that freaked me out the most. So my boss, if he ever went on vacation, it was in charge of me to brew. And at this point I would work for three or four days straight. So I wouldn't leave work. I'd actually just sleep at the brewery. I would travel with my, in my car, I'd have a sleeping bag and an air mattress. What? And I would, and so I'd work like a 16 hour day or something like that, go to Walmart for dinner, sit at the brewery by myself, have a couple beers, you know, go to bed and then wake up and do it all over and just work by myself for three or four days straight. Cause I was just in charge of me to brew all the beer. Could I have gone home? Yes, but it's a 102 mile commute. Not worth it. You know, you're losing time in the car. The faster I get it done, the faster I can go home at the end. So one night I'm sleeping at, at the brewery and it's about three o'clock in the morning and my eyes shoot open 
and I get this really eerie feeling and, and the temperature in the room drops and I just get this feeling like I shouldn't be there. Mm. Over the right side of my body, the only thing I can compare it to is like a Dementor from Harry Potter. This cloaked figure comes over the right side of my body and stares straight over my head. At this point in time, I'm totally paralyzed, can't move, can't scream, and I'm just staring into a faceless, like, object. I don't know how long, how much time passes, but I blink, he's gone, and I'm still just staring at the same exact spot that I was right before. And I was like, that's enough. So I just get up, it's three o'clock in the morning, fire up the brew house, and get right back to work and just work another full day after that. That was the last time I slept there, by the way. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Was Charlie a troubled guy back when he was alive? I don't think so, but people had a harder life back in the 1850s. So, True. you know, I, I'm sure nothing was easy. Um, but it was just once again, you know, like one of those paranormal experiences um, that just like is unexplainable. You know, just uh, I... But it was the last time I ever slept there. You know, man, I don't, uh, I don't know how you kept going back though. Like your passion for beer was greater than ghosts trying to scare you off. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. I mean, there to me, there just wasn't a choice. You know, it, it was like, what else are you gonna do? I mean, you could look for another job, of course, but I knew that I had to be there for a certain amount of time, you know, in order to build up that credibility that I could go to somewhere else. So once I hit that kind of two, and, and good luck explaining that your your brewery's haunted, and that's why you're looking for a new job. Yeah, after yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, kid. All right, get out of here. Good way to get in the door. Yeah, at least to like you know get them to listen to you a little bit. Um, but it was just, uh, you know, I knew I had to be there like any job, right? Like you can't quit after six months, yeah. you know, a year. Like where am I going to go after a year? You know, probably like a lateral move. I wanted to keep moving up in the brewing industry. So I knew I had to put in a legitimate amount of time to kind of get to that point. So when I hit when I hit like the two-year mark was when I kind of started looking for new opportunities. And Wait, wait, one quick question before we move on. <clears throat> Have you had any paranormal activity since Sand Creek? No, but I'd had paranormal activity before in my life okay. um, in a completely different setting. Okay. Yeah. So like it was something that I'd been familiar with, yeah. um, but not since then. No. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> so you're working so much. How do you um, like make something happen when when you're in such a groove and a routine and so much time is going to you know, making, you know, working, like how do you build that momentum and make like an opportunity or something happen? So I was really lucky with the contract brewing that I'd been able to establish so many relationships, um, you know, with all these other brewers and all these other, all these other businesses to kind of get my name out there and, and, and add some experience and, um, you know, see who was hiring at the time. So, you know, looking at job forums, seeing like what breweries were hiring and then trying to like schedule interviews around it. So like I interviewed at Surly actually, um, where I worked a 5 p.m. to a 5 a.m. and then drove to like 180 miles to an interview wow. and then drove home. Yeah, so like up for 24 hours, you know, I did. I had a terrible interview. Um, but like, you know, where you just, you just kind of work it, you know, and it's like, hey, this is, it, it becomes pretty cut and dry. It's like you either figure out a time to go or you don't go, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, how bad do you want to get to the next level? Do you want it more than you want to sleep? Yeah. Well then I got a 10 AM interview. I'm 180 miles away and I just got off a 13 hour day. I just got to go and drive and go do it. Um, and you know, figure out the rest after, mm -hmm. um, at this point in my time with the amount of time that I was working, I was sleeping in my car one to two nights a week. Um, purely out of exhaustion, not making it home, too tired. Um, but literally like sleeping in my car, like drive to Surly, interview, sleep in my car for a couple hours, drive back home to Eau Claire, go back, you know, bartend or whatever and and just kind of like keep it going. Were you were you staying healthy? Like were you functioning 
you know, mentally and everything and staying. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing is you, you, fo- your, my focus was so high, you know, on just taking care of myself that I was on a very regimented schedule. Mm. So, you know, after getting home, so like I'd work a 5 PM to 5 AM drive 55 miles home. So now I'm home at six o'clock in the morning. I would stay, I would eat and stay up till seven 30 bed by 8 AM, then up at three 30 in the afternoon. You got to watch your sleep. You got to watch your food. So that requires like eating healthy and re- and maintaining like a high level of energy. Otherwise I wouldn't have the energy to get through the work day mm. being as like physical to labor as it was. Um, so yeah, you just kind of like have to monitor it. So like, what does that cut out? That cuts out drinking, that cuts out partying. You know, you're cutting out kind of like the BS and just focusing on what you have to get done in order to execute your job to the highest level. Damn, that's ironic that you have to cut out drinking because you're producing so much beer. Yeah, I mean, I was drinking at work like every day, um, but like spacing it out, you know, you know, spacing out where it's like, I would never like go out and drink and party where it's like, hey, you have like two beers in a day or whatever, you know, nothing that would like make it so you couldn't work or anything like that. But yeah, you had to kind of focus on what was right in front of you and what was most important in order to, you know, execute your job at the highest level. Yeah. So what's, um, so, okay. So how do you land your job? Cause you mentioned before you got, you got a new position at Fulton. Yeah. Coming full circle to the days that it started on Fulton street. So Fulton actually did contract brewing through sand Creek when they first started. So Fulton knew what I knew and was familiar with my bosses. So that was an end of the company because they're just like, Hey, we started at sand Creek. We know exactly what that operation is. We know exactly how hard it is. We, we know what kind of person we'd get out of that. So I was able to interview and I had a lot to relate with, with the owners because they knew where I was working. Um, and that was my foot in the door ended up at the, at the end of the day, um, to get the job at Fulton. Was your boss trying to keep you on board at Sand Creek? Did you have to do this kind of under the table? I did originally, um, but they understood why I was leaving. Yeah, you know, I'd at this point, um, you know, having gone to school in Eau Claire, I'd been there for about seven years at this point. And I was just ready for something new in my life and and yeah. kind of ready to get out of the town in general. So I was looking to kind of to move to a bigger city and 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 have a new experience. So they knew I wasn't a small town guy and that eventually I wasn't going to stick around forever. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's a higher level position look like? Yeah. So job responsibility stays the same, but moving to a brewery that's uh, literally making four times the amount of beer. So Fulton uh, is the fourth largest brewery in Minnesota and actually the 99th largest brewery in the country out of over 7,000. So like, you're moving on like a pretty large scale. Like all of a sudden you're in the top like 10% of breweries. It's like 12%, but like, you know, top 10% of breweries in the country, as far as size, um, the operation was just much bigger. Um, and more, and my job just became more focused. So I handled everything from grain to carbonation. Okay. So I want to switch gears just a little bit to like Tanner, the, the person, the man, the, the mindset, like on a daily basis before the show we had mentioned um uh, where we were talking a little bit about like law of attraction and that sort of thing yeah how has that played a role in your life and is that something that you think about on a daily basis or is it um yeah yeah just just i guess um i guess expand on that a bit yeah so um, there's a great book called The Secret. Um, there's also the documentary on Netflix, which I highly recommend. Um, I remember watching it for the first time when I was a junior in college and understanding like the laws of attraction, kind of, you know, the energy that you put in is what you get out and changing your attitude and your mindset and focusing exactly on what you want. Um, and I'd put that into effect with the brewing gig right away where it was like, if you want this, you need to put energy into it. And what does that mean? That means looking for jobs. That means continuing to hone my skills um, and kind of setting yourself clear goals, you know, as what it takes to keep getting to the next level. And that's really what motivated me at Sand Creek because I knew what I had to do to kind of keep getting to the next level, keep making this like a legitimate career and moving. 
there's a very interesting example, like in the movie that it talks about, um, you have to imagine yourself like a car in the night with headlights and you know, the roads there, but you can't see it. And you can only see as far as the headlights. So you can only trust your dry, you know, your driving skills as far as the headlights will show you the road but you have to trust that the road is there to follow. So you can't see everything at once. You have to know it's there, but to kind of keep moving in that direction um, and paying attention to what's the goal. So it's like, I didn't know what the end goal was, but I knew what the next hundred yards in front of me was. So keeping that in mind where I didn't know where I was gonna end up, I didn't know where I wanted to work, but I know where I wanted to be it kind of allowed me, Hey, this is where I should apply to. This is kind of the job I'm looking for. And I was going to hold out until I had that Mm. opportunity. You know, I wasn't going to take something that was equivalent to what I was doing. It was focusing on, you know, if I'm going to get it, I'm, I'm going big. I'm either staying where I'm at or I'm going big. Yeah. I like that. I think the law of attraction and the secret, I think they're really oftentimes misunderstood people that want to hate on even just like self-development industry or or that like that book and specifically they think that it's all about people that just okay i'm gonna uh put a picture of a mansion on my vision board and then i'm gonna um you know uh eventually get that mansion yeah yeah Yeah. i'm gonna uh, yeah there's a word i'm blanking out on but um anyways yeah um but that's really not what it is it's it's getting clear on like to apply it to your life and i think that's what one of your strengths is you you can get your like the you get clear on where you want to go yeah and then you focus all your energy on that and and that uh and then yeah then doors open that's exactly it and and they use another reference in the in the book in the documentary that says like if you compare it to a plant, like your idea, your hopes, your dreams is like a seed. And every day, like if you do little stuff, like that seed starts to grow and that opportunity starts to grow. And they said, as it continues to grow and grow and grow and get closer to the surface, this is where you lose people because it's the time that serves you. You know, it's it's the time in between things happening that shows you how bad do you really want it. You know, is it really what you want at the end of the day? Because that's why people always say, like, go with your gut. You know, like, you know what you already want to do. Like, you do. But it's the time in between that serves you to say, hey, how bad do you want it? Like, do you want it bad enough where you're willing to wait a week? Do you want it bad enough where you're willing to wait a month, a year, five years? Because they say, you know, as that seed sprouts and starts to grow, you get closer to the surface you could be a month away from getting that dream or hitting that goal and people all of a sudden are like, it's not going to happen and they give up and all that work and all that energy just kind of dies when you could have been that close mm-hmm. to, to getting that goal. So I think that's for me, it was just kind of staying put in, in no and waiting until that opportunity presented itself because I knew it would. Yeah. You know, it's just like a matter of time until the right thing shows up. And it's crazy. Everybody can look in their life when they were at a crossroads and then they ended up picking a decision. And then later on, they understand like why it all happened, you know, for better or for worse. And it's crazy to see how that happens in life that you, you don't know what you want or you're not sure. And then this opportunity presents itself and all of a sudden you just act on it. That's the law of attraction, you know, kind of working without you knowing about it. Yeah. So I think for myself, it was just always being conscious of those opportunities happening around me and being focused on my goal that helped me align to get to like live out what my dreams were. I like that a lot. Yeah. My issue is that sometimes when I'm in that, that stage where I'm about to bloom, um, I, I I battle thinking, is this really what I want? Like, if it's really what I wanted, it would have happened by now, or I, I don't know. Like, and that's something. So I, so I've been jumping around, and now recently I've realized it's me experimenting. And if it's something that I really want, 
I need to be able to enjoy the process. Yeah. And obviously there'll be times when you don't like what you're doing, like sleeping in a car and brewing beer. But I, I would venture a guess that you, at the end of the day, you, you did like the process and you felt like you were making progress. Or, yeah. yeah. I, I think there's like that, the phrase that say, like, it's the time that serves you, you know, to understand, like you could even say to yourself, right? Like, Hey, if I'm jumping around, that's you testing the waters. That's you going through the process to end up figuring out what you want at the end of the day. Yep. Because I also tell people that it's easier to know what you don't want than what you do. And sometimes you have to bounce around. I mean, even for myself, you know, I interned in, I, I interned in the food industry, the sports industry, the hospitality industry, and even the service industry. And all those things pointed me in the right direction of what I wanted. Because at the end of all those experiences, I was like, I don't want any of that. And it helped me form a clearer conscience of what I really wanted at the end of the day. Yeah. Damn. So you, you kind of have to embrace that. And I think it's it's even a more amazing experience to jump around because it's you're just validating to yourself. You're like, hey, I think this is a good idea. And you're like, no, not really. And then yeah. go try something else. You're like, no, that's not for me either. It's helping you form that clear conscience of what you want at the end of the day. Yeah, true. And it, it, it's crazy how you can hold in your mind like, oh, I think I'd really like to do this. And then you hold, you never take action, but you always just use it as a dream. And then one day you go and do it and you're like, damn, I, I don't even like this. Like yeah. that dream has completely dissipated. Yeah. I had that when I thought, oh, maybe I want to get into medical device sales. That sounds nice. And, yeah. you know, like I can make a lot of money. And, and I went and then started um, volunteering at the hospital and I realized I hate being in hospitals. It's like, For no, sure. all right, that, I just kind of like eviscerated that dream, you yeah. know? But it's good because you, you get the closure. You get the closure, yeah, yeah. And that's a big thing. So I brewed beer professionally for over six years. And I just recently stepped away from the industry and I've picked up a new job in the legal industry, totally different. But I, you know, my my girlfriend was like, are you just so sad? Like, do you have any regrets? And I had come to the place even even six months prior where I was like, I'm ready to let go. Like, I'm okay with this. Like, I got everything I wanted out of this. I lived this dream. I achieved every goal I ever wanted to achieve in this dream. I know I could keep going, but in the long run, this isn't what I want at the end of the day. Yeah. And for me to walk away from the industry was incredibly easy because I'd gotten the closure that I needed to say, hey, I'm okay with this. You know, like it's, it's okay to walk away. Is it, was it, it, was it just like lifestyle or what were the things that you were kind of done with? Lifestyle for sure. Um, you know, beer is a 24 hour a day operation and just kind of wanted to move away to a more balanced lifestyle. Um, once again, kind of like, what do you want? Right. I, I started to reevaluate what I wanted in life. Um, wanting to be healthier, wanting to pursue my hobbies more, wanting to get to a certain place financially in my life. You know, not necessarily like be the richest person possible, but maybe like, hey, I don't ever want to have to worry about money or I, I want to have a decent place to live or, you know, like setting that kind of, you know, setting that up a little bit um, and just realizing to myself, you know, like, is this job getting me to that place? Are there opportunities in this job to get to, for me to get to that place? If not, it's time for me to reevaluate what I'm doing and, and maybe make a change. So originally it wasn't to leave the industry completely. I kind of wanted to move up the chain into raw ingredients and sell like grain or hops to breweries, mm. but that just wasn't in the cards for timing. Um, and I think I was a little burned out on the industry, just seeing where it was going. I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to beer, hence why I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada pale ale, hey. just keeping it, <laughs> keeping it old school. Um, but I, I was just burned out, I think with what the industry like has become and I wasn't enjoying it as much as I was. So it was good for me to kind of step back now. Um, and, and when you say that, like, 
Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But like with all the like um, white claws, is that what you're talking about? Or like the fruity beers or what exactly were, was disheartening? Yeah, you know, I'm just, I wasn't crazy about um, creating like uh, seltzers or fruit beers or funky, like funky beers in general, which is what the consumer wanted more of mm. in my mind. I mean, there's still a place for everything. It is not saying that there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. Everybody, what I love about all of this is that, you know, people are entitled to like what they like. My, one of my favorite phrases is I ain't going to yuck on your yum. You know, <laughs> what you like is what you like and I can't hate on that. And that's cool. But as far as what I got into the business for, that's not what I was interested personally in making. So it was a reason for me to say, you know, I'm just not as interested or I'm not as passionate about this as I once was. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, could you see yourself opening up your own brewery one day? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> small bit being a small business owner is so hard and I give every bit of props in the world to anybody that does it, but that's way too much work for me to take on and being like a perfectionist about things. Way too much work says the guy who worked 20 hours oh. Fridays. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not trying to go back to that. Let's just say that, you know, and I like working with these small business owners, the amount of hours that they put in and their dedication to the craft and their business is so admirable. And it's just something like an entrepreneur um, is just a different breed of human being mm, yeah. and, and much respect, but that's just not me. I'll play with somebody else's money. <laughs> nice, man. So making the transition now to uh, more of a, like a sales role um, yeah. for uh, uh, like a law, law type services. Um, do you find that any, any, I mean, I'm, this is a dumb question, but like, are you bringing lots of lessons that you learned while brewing beer to this industry, to this new position? Yeah. Oh I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of, so I'm a huge hype guy. You, you know, you want to talk about what motivates me and gets me going. I love hype. I love energy. I love in the NFL when people celebrate and do touchdown dances and are even a little bit cocky, like in a good way, you know, where it's like, you know, get yourself pumped up. And I think being in a sales role now where it's like you have your a little bit of your own small business it motivates me because I'm like, it's all on me, you know, to get this done. Like what you put into it, especially working on commission, you know, what you put into it is now what you get out of it. Yep. Man, where do I sign up? Yeah. I'll, I'll bet on me a hundred percent of the time, yeah. you know, it's because I, you know, working the jobs that I've had before, I know the work ethic isn't an issue, right? You know, the, the effort part isn't an issue. So that's where, I think I was able to leverage some of my experience and say, yeah, you know what? I've, I can prove now at this point that I can literally learn anything and I'm not afraid to learn anything. And the beer industry gave me that confidence to say, you had no skills in this. You didn't go to school for this. You knew nothing about this and you were able to create a career out of it. The, like the idea that you can do anything now is not impossible. Yeah. I always joke with people that I could be in the NFL. Hook me up with a meal, you know, like someone to prep meals for me, a or good gym. gym. <laughs> yeah. You know, so hook me up with somebody that can prep food for me, yep. get me in the right, you know, in the right weight room with somebody coach me. I can be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I can do it. You know, like I just don't, I just don't think that there's anything I can't do at this point because I think with the right amount of effort and energy, you can literally do anything you want. Yeah. Preach. How bad do you want it, man? Yeah. You know? So are you back into the, like the tasting mode of your life? Are you trying different things and trying to figure out what that next passion or path I should say is, or do you feel like you have um, a vision and clarity moving forward? Um, I think, I think what this job that I have now is, is really providing for me is like the whole sales experience. Um, people have always told me that sales is something that I should go into. So I think it's kind of testing that water and yeah. seeing how I do with this. Um, yeah. And, and where it goes down the road, like, right. So like right now, my vision, I can only see as far as my headlights are in front of me. Right. So it's just focusing on the sales career, being successful, hitting quotas. What's past my headlights. I don't know right now, 
but I know that sales is taking me to that next level where it's like, hey, now that I'm in sales, you can literally get into any industry that you want. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the opportunities past the headlights are endless. Yeah. So just kind of trust the process, get good on it, focus on my craft and, and you know, keep moving up to the next level. Yeah. I love that, man, dude. Um, you, you, you got a couple more minutes? Yeah, of course. Question I ask, it's a little morbid, but... You know, I think it elicits a good story, and maybe you've already touched on it with uh, the paranormal stuff. But what's the closest that you, you that you've been to death? So I'm. I would say I've never. I, I can't say there's anything that I've been too close to death with. But um, with brewing, I was hospitalized three different times for various injuries. Um, one, I fell through a flight of stairs, uh, took all the skin off my leg. Uh, another time was, uh, second degree burns on about 15% of my body. Um, that left some pretty good scarring. And then, uh, how'd that happen? Uh, pump malfunction, trying to fix a pump and dang near boiling water, uh, splash back and, and burn me. And, and I had burns from, um, pretty much the lower, the lower part of my chest, uh, down, down my leg. Um, and then the last one was, uh, I put a piece of stainless steel through my face, um, and had to have my face glued back together right above my lip. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing that killed me, but definitely some stuff that hurt. Yeah. How'd the stainless steel happen? Uh, life lesson. Don't do work above your head. Don't do work above your head. Yeah. Step, step up to the level of the, of the work that you're doing. Don't do anything above your head that could drop on top of you. Uh, (laughs) Well, Tanner, dude, I uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. And just sharing insight, wisdom, what you've learned, man, the stories, um, sick, not gonna lie. And, uh, what, what haven't I asked you that you'd like to just share with, uh, the listeners, anything that the floor is yours. Yeah. I think, you know, like going back to it and having listened to your podcast, which by the way, go in and, and rate Danny's podcast of five on hey. Apple on, on the Apple podcast app. Um, if you want to do something, go all in and, and really ask yourself, you know, how bad do you want it? And what are you willing to give up to go get it? Because at the end of the day, the reason why people don't succeed is because of themselves you know, you're, you are what is holding yourself back from accomplishing something. Um, if, if, if you really want to go get it. So, you know, if if you want something, um, go all in, I mean, take, take a chance, you know, this, this is your one life, your one shot. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of, of what can happen. Just focus on only being successful and, and you'll make it work some way, somehow. Amen. Dude. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure.